I'm sure everybody's ready for the Super Bowl, but I gotta talk about these championship games. Alright everybody, let's talk about these NFL playoff conference championship games. Now I know last week I did take off. I've been super busy with school starting and work. I just had to miss that week. But I am back to talk about the conference championship games. And of course we're going to start just like TV schedule went. We're going to talk about the NFC championship first. Now Tom Brady continues to amaze me. And I don't know why I continue to be amazed by Tom Brady when he's done this year after year. He is now going to his 10th Super Bowl. And he's won six of them. Let's God, let's hope it's not a seventh. This year has made me respect the greatness that Tom Brady has. And the fact that he's been able to do this now with two different teams. I know he did it for 20 years with the Patriots. But now that he's doing it with the Bucks in a different conference. And still able to get to the Super Bowl. Even though everybody doubted him. I doubted him for sure. Beginning of the year, I thought, you know, this might be a fringe playoff team. There's no way they're getting to the Super Bowl. And they continue to amaze me and made it to the Super Bowl now. And Tom Brady, where he didn't have the most fantastic game, he did have three picks in this game. He did have three touchdowns. But the fact that he was able to go out there at 43 years old and still get this done and lead his team to a Super Bowl is amazing. He was throwing some passes that I've honestly barely ever seen Tom Brady make. He's able to throw downfield more with Bruce Arians' offense. Bill Belichick, I feel like, was more of a handicap, even though he won six Super Bowls there. He's more of a handicap and more of a dink and dunk passer in New England. The fact that he has the weapons that he does here and is able to dunk it off to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and even some players. You know, Gronk can still make a catch or so. He only had one catch in this game. But it was a big one. It was a very impactful one for 29 yards. But he can also pass it off to Leonard Fournette, Cameron Bray. All these guys are pretty good. But the biggest problem I see in this game is there's a lot of drops by both teams. Both teams had a lot of drops in this game. The rushing game for both teams was almost non-existent. Leonard Fournette did have some good runs, but other than that, both teams did not run the ball well. The hardest part from this game for me was watching near the end of the game, pretty much the whole fourth quarter. It was a very stagnant game. It was a point where the Packers could come back and win, but everything was just very stagnant. And honestly, the biggest thing I need to say about the Packers is that when you're in the red zone, I understand that Devontae Adams is your biggest threat, and he's got it done time after time for you this year, but you can't always rely on trying to get the ball to one player when they know that you're going to him. I watched one time, they were in the red zone, they were at the five-yard line, I'm pretty sure, and they passed the ball three times in a row to Devontae Adams and no touchdown, they ended a field goal. It just wasn't fun to watch them just pass and pass and pass to... Devontae Adams, I understand that you have the chance getting there, but give the ball to Aaron Jones for one for the first down and then try to pass it to Devontae Adams. That doesn't work. Go somewhere else. If you have to, go on Alan Lazard. Go to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Go to Mercedes Lewis. Go to Robert Tunyon. I don't care. Just don't always try to go on to Devontae Adams because they know that they're going to throw there. Devontae Adams honestly had a very disappointing game in this for me. He did have 9 catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown, but he was targeted 15 times. You're telling me 6 times you couldn't make a catch on the ball? I mean, that was pretty sus to me, but that wasn't the only problem that the Packers had. Aaron Rodgers did play a game just like we thought he would until the end. There was a lot of suspect throws out there that I, I couldn't wrap my head around. I mean, he did only have 15 incompletions, but there were some of the incompletions for me were just mind-blowing that Aaron Rodgers was making these after what we saw in the entire season 
leading up to this point. There was a hit in this game by Carlton Davis, a defensive back for the Buccaneers. They called an unnecessary roughness on this. And if you heard the announcers, and you actually I think I heard a fan yell that it was targeting. I saw them throw the flag, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Another targeting call that I did not agree with because, I mean, there was no way. He didn't have his head down that much at all. I mean, he had his head cocked back just a tiny bit so you could tell. Technically, it was almost a defenseless receiver. But I'm glad that they did not call targeting on this call because targeting has become one of those fouls in the NFL that just rampant and way overblown. It's the same thing in college football. It's just too much. I understand everybody hates the call. It does make sense, but there's just way too many gray areas in the call. Speaking of calls in this game, I understand letting the guys play. Let them play. Let them duke it out. Let them grab each other a little bit, have a little hands on there. But you have to stay consistent. You can't just call most of the first three quarters. You can't just call everything, just knick-knack fouls. You can't call them. And then by the end, you're calling things on where they're barely just grabbing jerseys. There are plenty of plays in this game that the Packers receivers are getting held and pretty much pass interference on them. It was happening on both sides, but you could definitely tell because of the evidence that came out after the game where you could see numerous times where Packers receivers were getting held, and then by the end they called a pass interference for Tyler Johnson to get a first down. I didn't like this call. Mostly, <clears throat> you let them play all day where they're just barely touching each other and knick-knack foul and, and they're not getting any flags or anything. But then you have this where the defender didn't even have a hold of his technical jersey. They have these tearaway parts of, like receivers and running backs, they have these tearaway parts of their shirts that hang down a little bit. So if somebody comes on them, they, get, they pull it and they can get away from them. So to me, I don't think you can call holding when it's technically not even a part of it because it's, it's designed for the receiver to get away from the defenders if they're just trying to get little, pull them down by the jersey type of but I guess I'm not a referee. I'm not a person in the NFL to even make any judgment calls. But other plays that didn't make sense in this game was why did Matt LaFleur kick a field goal? You're down by eight. You have Aaron Rodgers, and you're in the red zone. Why not try to go for it and have the chance of winning then instead of putting the ball in Tom Brady's hands and him able to just get rid of the clock? I don't understand Matt LaFleur's logic behind this one. But he did have a smart call on there right after the two-minute warning. It was, what, second and two or so. And he knew that how many timeouts he had left that he could be able to give them a first down, even though because they would have got first down maybe the next play, then that would just reset and have the time clock run down. He then just caught everybody offsides. I don't know why Tampa Bay decided to accept the penalty beyond me, but it was a very smart call by Matt LaFleur to give them a first down instead of them going on second down, trying to get the first down, and if they dig the first down, the time would be running down the whole time. Genius call that, honestly, I saw it happen, I'm like, wow, that was genius. One player on the defense that I want to talk about, and then I'll, then I'll talk about the overall defense for the Packers, is that Kevin King he had a very up and down game. I saw him making plays at times and then giving up touchdowns. I know he gave up, I believe, two touchdowns he gave up personally, but then other games I saw him batting the ball away, and he was one of the leading tacklers on the team. You can't have a very up and down game like that in this NFC championship against Tom Brady because then he's going to target you no matter what because he believes that 50% of the time he's gonna be able to get a touchdown or at least get a big gain off of you but the whole Packers defense the fact that you could only sack one time and you have players like Zadarius Smith Kenny Clark both on the 
front lines. It just didn't make sense to me that you only sacked him one time. When the Buccaneers' offensive line is honestly young, like players like Tristan Wirfs, they're good players, so I guess it does make sense. And then on the other side, on the flip side of things, their offensive line, the Packers' offensive line, gave up way too many sacks. I think Aaron Rodgers was sacked around five times in this game, and it just did not help them. And I guess that's the reason the Bucks are going to the Super Bowl. Of course, the Bucks won 31 to 26. After this game, Aaron Rodgers said that there's a possibility of a lot of change that's going to happen in Green Bay, and there's a possibility that something could happen with him. I don't see him ever playing for another team, but if there's a possibility, that's going to be super weird. Could he retire? I guess so. The Packers, of course, controversially took Jordan Love in this past year's draft without getting Aaron Rodgers any help. So I guess we'll see what happens to Green Bay. I don't see anything happening really dramatic. I don't see Aaron Rodgers leaving, but I've been wrong plenty of times, and this could be one of them. Now we got to flip over to the AFC Championship, and again, the Kansas City Chiefs show their reign that they are the defending Super Bowl champs for a reason. This team has the most complete offense that we have almost ever seen. Patrick Mahomes had another fantastic game as he continues to deliver week after week, no matter what, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Tyreek Hill is the most shifty player I've really ever seen. And Travis Kelsey has some of the sure hands by tight end that you probably will ever see as well. These guys are a great group of players that work well together. And then you slide in a guy like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who didn't really have a big impact in this game at all. He did have a touchdown. But he only had like a total of like seven yards. Of course, exactly what happened all of last year in the postseason, the Chiefs had to fight from behind. They were down 9 to nothing after McCole Hardman had the muff punt. And realistically, I think everybody, I for sure, I knew that the Chiefs were not out of this game whatsoever. They played from behind so much, and they've been battle-tested. And the time it came to even halftime, it was 21-12. to 12. McCall Hardman decided to prove himself after he had a big 50-yard run and was able to get in the end zone and a pass for about four yards, I believe. McCall Hardman was an up and down. Was he was a story? It was. It wasn't even really a roller coaster ride for him. It was just dip from the muff punt, and then everything was up from there. He made a huge impact on the game. Granted, he technically only had two plays, but those two plays were touchdown and a 50-yard run. The fact that you're able to come back from that is something that many players can't do. Many players have one bad play, and that lets the ruin the game for them. But Travis Kelsey, 13 catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. He has the most sure hands I've ever seen. You can pass this ball to him, and he will catch it no matter what. And Tyreek Hill as well, 9 catches, 172 yards. Didn't have a touchdown or anything, but he got them down the field no matter what. He was able to catch passes, shift his way through anyone. He turns plays from 10-yard gains into 50-yard gains. He's not the biggest guy. He technically is one of the fastest. That's not exactly what his biggest thing is. The biggest thing is that he is so shifty and can shift his way from any to get any separation from any defender that he wants. On the other side of the ball, you Josh Allen. He still proved that he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He was need to be up there in contention with the MVP at times. There were times when he got out of the pocket, he did Josh Allen things, he would run for 15 yards when they needed three. He played a very good game, but the rest of his team kind of let him down. He did have a pick in this game, but it was kind of off a tip pass, so you don't really have to fault him for that one. But the fact that his he had 88 yards rushing on seven carries, but then the other guys, 
Devin Singletary had six carries for 17 yards. T.J. Yeldon had three carries for 15 yards. Absolutely nobody was helping him on the rushing game. And then receiving, he kind of he dispersed it a lot. But the big player that everybody wanted to see have a huge game was Stephon Diggs, and he only had six catches for 77 yards. Granted, that is 12.8 yards per catch, but he's a big play guy, and he just never had one of those big plays. Cole Beasley shows that he is one of the best slot receivers in the game still at 31 years old. Seven catches, 88 yards, was very impactful for them moving the ball down the field. But you can't beat the Kansas City Chiefs off of field goals. They had four field goals in this game. And you cannot beat a high-powered offense like Kansas City with field goal after field goal. You have to execute and get touchdowns no matter what. If you cannot get in the end zone against a team like this, you are not going to succeed. The Chiefs are the most dominant offense we have seen in recent memory. And their defense, honestly, is not bad at all. Obviously, holding in the Bills to four field goals was incredible. And I think one of the funnest things for me is that I live 10 minutes away from Arrowhead Stadium. And winning games like this, just hearing the fireworks going off just by opening my window. It's such a fun feeling living here and having this time with such a great team. That these guys compliment themselves so much. Because you could give the ball to Patrick Mahomes and he can be elusive. He can get the ball. He can sidearm any ball. He can get it out of any sack. He can almost get sacked and slide sidearm the ball out of there. And pass for 15 yards to Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey had one of the, some of the best hands. And he's a great blocker as well. And then the shiftiness of Tyreek Hill. I don't know how you stop a team like this. I feel like, honestly, in regular season for this Chiefs team, they coast. You think everybody circles the calendar. Uh, they want to beat the Chiefs because they want to beat the reigning Super Bowl champs. They went 14-2 this year, losing the Week 17 game against the Chargers. That didn't matter. They didn't even start Mahomes or most of the starters, they kind of coasted, if you think about it. They lost to the Raiders and Chargers. Again, like the Chargers said, Chargers did not matter. The Raiders game, yeah, that happened. Whatever. And then they came back and beat the Raiders the second time around because I think they just wanted to improve themselves. But they coast through the regular season because they are a different monster in the playoffs. The playoffs are where the Chiefs reign supreme right now. If you think about last year, of course, they won the Super Bowl. year before that, they were in the AFC Championship game, and D Ford went off sides and ruined the game for them. And, of course, the overtime rule is still a flawed system because the fact that the team that doesn't get the ball does not get a chance at all to match the team that gets the ball if they get a touchdown doesn't make sense to me at all. I think it under I understand now that they've implemented the rule where if they get a field goal, then they get the ball. But if they get a touchdown, it's over. And now Patrick Mahomes is going to face Tom Brady on an even bigger scale in the Super Bowl. But of course, it has to be in Tampa. Of course, Tampa Bay now being the first team to ever host their own Super Bowl. But Tio Town still rolls through Kansas City. Kansas City is still the more complete team. Yes, the Bucks have Tom Brady. And you can never really go against Tom Brady. But Patrick Mahomes is... He's not even the next coming of Tom Brady because they play completely different games. Tom Brady does not use his legs whatsoever. Patrick Mahomes is so much more elusive than him. And Tom Brady is able to just sit back in the pocket, throw dink and dunk passes if he wants. Granted, yes, Tyreek Hill can make that happen for Patrick Mahomes by being so shifty, but they don't do that. They go deep. They try to get in the different pockets, and it just works out for them. And I do think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl again, no matter what. The Chiefs are the more complete team, obviously on offense. I don't know how 
the Bucks defense, the only way the Bucks defense is going to stop Mahomes is if they get hurt. Now, Mahomes, he went through concussion protocol, went perfect for him, but then he also had turf toe in this game, and you could not tell at all. Besides one time I saw him when he took a knee right at the end of the game, I could tell there was a little bit going on with his foot. But the fact that it took all the way to the end of the game for me to notice anything going on with the foot is pretty ballsy by Patrick Mahomes. Honestly, people think about turf toe and think it's a wimpy injury, but it's not. Turf toe is actually a very impactful injury and can ruin people's careers. I know it sounds crazy, but it happens. And the fact that he was out there playing the game and nobody even could tell that he had a turf toe injury is very good by Patrick Mahomes. And he would heal that up by two weeks from now, going against Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl and winning another one. I can't wait to have the Chiefs be the Super Bowl champs again living here. I know last year I went to the Super Bowl parade, but I don't think they're going to have it this year, obviously, because of COVID. But damn, that would be fun to go to a Super Bowl parade again here. It was such a fun atmosphere, seeing all the players and all the community coming together. There was over a million people there. Of course, we can't have something like that. I think there were 7,000 fans in the stadium last night. But I think it'd be really fun if we could do something for the Chiefs for the Super Bowl again, if they win it, which I believe they will. So, I mean, I'm just geeked up for the Super Bowl again because I live here near Kansas City. It's what it is. It makes me feel happy that I made the move to here. I, mean, I made the move here at the right time. Uh, it's perfect for a person who loves sports and a person who loves football mostly to be here in a Super Bowl championship town year after year now, and I hope it continues. Granted, I want my Bengals to do well, and I want them to come up the ranks and hopefully win a Super Bowl in time, but living here in Kansas City is so much fun when the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. That's all I got for you guys. Peace. <music>